0: Hey, guys. You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, ooh, let the dogs out. Ooh,
1: ooh. Off the Hook, airing on offthehooksports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. Always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts.
2: We might have to come up with another rejoin by next week, which is Super Bowl week, because there's a hangover drop in there, and that makes me think of Bradley Cooper, who's a huge Eagles fan, and I hate the Eagles. <sighs> oh, Lord. Is that reaching well, a little bit? I mean... Watching him celebrate with that classic Eagles jacket on over the weekend is horrible
3: you know just for you dave i hope that bradley cooper doesn't just celebrate but like celebrates like in the obnoxious like wedding crashers bradley cooper way you know like i hope he's that
2: type of character um <laughs> i uh, that the, the nfc championship game were the two teams i hated the most so i was like is there any way both teams could tie and not go to the super bowl and they just take the afc teams? that's what i was uh rooting for but boy are we lined up with a big show today ryan callahan will join us with Go Vols 247, 247 Sports, and uh, we will get with the recruiting rhino to talk some recruiting with him as Tennessee with the big junior day that we mentioned. We'll do that here in just a couple minutes as Ryan will join us. Looking forward to that and a lot more on the program today as I got a little feedback from the Stetson Bennett comments that I made. Uh, someone uh, very close to... Georgia's football program just shortly after we were were done actually texted me and said, uh, great take on Stetson Bennett. And I don't know what part exactly that he meant. You know, Stetson Bennett was arrested for knocking on doors and public intoxication, the former Georgia quarterback who was somehow at a Heisman Trophy ceremony that he shouldn't have been at. But uh, the contention among uh, a lot of people, is that there was this sense of entitlement uh, from his last season. And I use the analogy, which was standing on third base and you think you hit a triple. Well, what that means is that you got to third base somehow, but hitting a triple is pretty difficult. And that's not necessarily how you got there. You could have been walked. You could have been uh, pushed around by a hit and suddenly you're standing on third base. Well, that's, That's Stetson Bennett to a T, according to the guy who reached out to me. There is a sense of entitlement, and really, let's be honest, there are 25 other quarterbacks that could have won a couple of championships. I firmly believe that. That's not hyperbole. Had They had that defense and the rest of the team around them, and Kirby Smart is an excellent motivator. So I found it interesting that somebody very close to the Georgia program Said they didn't want to say it publicly, but reached out to me yesterday and said that Stetson Bennett, yes, does have a sense of entitlement. So a little bit later in the program, I want to ask, would Stetson Bennett have started for the balls, Which I know sounds crazy, but I think you could make a strong argument uh, for or against. Also, why Tennessee's basketball team will not make the Final Four, and If the Vols uh, had Alante Taylor, who was at the basketball game over the weekend playing in the NFL, would they have made the college football playoff in 2022? In other words, were they one key player away? And Lady Vols, Kelly Harper, she is on the hot seat, so we'll address that. So uh, a lot going on, but your thoughts on uh, the – the Stetson Bennett reaction that I got uh, yesterday. I was a little surprised somebody reached out and wanted to share that, but they did. And that's what they thought. Sense of entitlement is how he's viewed around the program.
3: It's funny. I did not see that from him initially. And it's, it it doesn't surprise me. You know, who Stetson Bennett is now reminding me of the more I hear about this is AJ McCarron at Alabama. I don't know if, do you remember how much AJ McCarron acted like he was a, a superstar above the team at Alabama? Yes. Um, it just—I remember him showing up his center in the national championship game for a bad snap just to kind of show himself up. I also remember after Alabama lost to Auburn on that kick six, AJ McCarron wasn't with the rest of his team. He went to go hug his mom, his grandma, and his supermodel wife or girlfriend at the time—the um, one that Britt Merzberger was so obsessed with. <laughs>
2: I oh, she's so good looking. Uh, that was the creepiest thing on television ever. It,
3: it really was. But A.J. McCarron did that. And he carried himself like he was a Peyton Manning or Tom Brady type when everybody knew that you and I could have started a quarterback for those Alabama teams and won national championships. And I remember the year after A.J. McCarron left, um, after Blake Sims lost his first game at Alabama – Keep in mind, Alabama never went undefeated with A.J. McCarron at quarterback. A.J. McCarron goes on a radio show and all but says they just don't have the leader like I was when I was at Alabama. And I just think that, you know, Setson Bennett is giving off those type of vibes. He's not as obnoxious. I think A.J. McCarron was the worst case of all time of being on third and thinking you hit a triple. Um, but if, if what you tell me is true, Setson Bennett seems to be giving off those same vibes. So we're going to have to see how that plays out going forward. Let's hope that, you know, I I don't really hope or care, but, you know, I wonder if Stetson Bennett is going to take shots at Georgia next year if they don't win the national title and go off the vibe of, well, if I were there, we would have won another one.
2: Yeah. And you don't want to walk in into an NFL locker room with, with a sense of entitlement. It's one thing to come in and I'll tie this back to Nico, uh, that I think he he's come in with a sense of confidence, but not cockiness, not a sense of I stepped in, I'm going to start. He's uh, from people I talked to that uh, are within the program, just very impressive. I talked to somebody just recently that it was just they were really worried about you know, this person was worried in particular that he could come in and kind of be this cocky young man with all the attention he's gotten. But that hasn't been the case. You can walk into a locker room and be confident. You can walk into a locker room and even be cocky. But you you don't want to walk into a locker room and say that, hey, this is my starting job because I'm the hot freshman in town. And you get the sense that with you get the sense that with Stetson Bennett, he he said, I'm the guy leading you to two national championships. No, he's he's really not. I mean, there are a lot of guys that could have done that. I I just said the number 25. Do you think that's too high or too low of of quarterbacks that could have stepped in there and and won a couple of championships? And I don't say those sorts of things lightly. I'm not trying just to get a reaction from Georgia fans, but I believe that there are 25 guys that played college football last year that could have won a championship with that team.
3: Yeah, I think it's more. Because we're talking about 25 starters, I would assume. Right, Dave? I mean, there were were colleges that had – they could go two, three deep at quarterback, and any of those quarterbacks could have started for Georgia last year and won a national title or the year before. And you're right. You don't want to go in, uh, particularly from the, you know high school to college is bad enough, but college to the NFL acting like that, the whole don't you remember what I did in college, nobody cares in the NFL. And that's when you start to see um, – That's when you see that, that's when you start to see those NFL players talking about how great they were in college and using it as kind of a – leverage point to say they have credibility to say anything um again that's I hearken back to AJ McCarron he took a shot at Nick Saban after he was riding the bench at Cincinnati because he wasn't really that good and so he had to sneak in a, don't you remember how great I was in college yet yeah, no one cared and no one's going to care about that with Stetson Bennett either and so it's look I'm, I gotta be honest I didn't see this with Stetson Bennett I thought Stetson Bennett was actually a well-grounded dude until about about a week ago
2: honestly you know the first time it cropped up to me was actually the Tennessee game and people were up he was upset about people calling his phone and his cell phone and getting his cell phone number and I I get that and he did the call me thing but that was still early in the game that's not the time to uh, try to be demonstrative about frustrations and yeah I thought that was a sense of cockiness now he backs it up he's fantastic in the fourth quarter he's been fantastic overall and that, to me, is when way back in the Tennessee game, it, it, it turned from here is a great story to, hey, man, this guy may be a little full of himself. That very moment is when it crossed my mind. Let me ask you this before we get Ryan Callahan on. Would he have started for Tennessee over the past couple of years, the Josh Heupel years? Would he have started if he's on the roster over Joe Milton, last year or eventually Hendon hooker this year would Stetson Bennett have been able to get a starting job at Tennessee
3: no and I say that saying I don't necessarily think that Stetson Bennett is not may not be a better quarterback than Hendon hooker or Joe Milton but I say that talking about Josh Heupel's system I think one you you've got to be able to read a safety so you need a little bit of height you need a little bit of size playing quarterback in the system and you've got to have a good deep ball. And even though Stetson Bennett may be more accurate than Hooker, which that's debatable, but I, 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 I'd concede that point. I don't think he's got a better deep ball than Hooker, and he certainly can't throw it as far as Joe Milton. Do you think he, could, he can throw it as deep as a deep ball like them?
2: No, and a great point about the hype to have a little bit more vision. Sometimes that's overhyped, but not in this case. I think you need to see over top. And the other thing about Stetson Bennett, if he has this attitude that's a good thing, to get on the field at Georgia, they didn't want, they didn't need anybody with an attitude at Tennessee. They didn't need any uh, possible distractions. And if he steps in with an attitude and rubs some people the wrong way, we've seen the quarterback group rub people the wrong way, the way they were handled at Tennessee before, if you want to go back to 2005. So uh yeah, I'd, I'd, I don't think he would have been a good fit. I don't think he would have started for Tennessee. I don't think he would have played for Tennessee. I don't think he would have been, Josh Heupel's uh, kind of player. Had he been on Pruitt's team when Heupel took over, I think he would have been one of those guys like Brian Moore, who was asked to exit stage left. I don't think he would have even been on the team to compete in the fall if, if what I'm told yesterday, based off of our conversation, that he's entitled is true. Listen, there was no room for anybody to be entitled on this team. I don't care if you'd started 40 games coming into the season. This was a new approach, a new season and sense of it. I mean, name one player that should have been I'm trying to think of one player that just absolutely said this is my starting job. And you really don't have a choice because you don't have another direction to go.
3: I mean, the only one who could have maybe said that would have been we're going to talk about him later on the program. But Alante Taylor in 2021 could have said that. And Darnell Wright could have said that too, because Darnell Wright was the only five-star caliber, caliber lineman. But to their credit, neither one of them did act that way. Darnell Wright really willingly sacrificed his draft stock for a year by moving to left tackle to help the team, which you know, I, I, I hearken back to. Here's an 05 story for you, Dave. Remember when uh, the coaches wanted to force Jason Allen into safety and he played it for one year? And then he said, I'm not coming back for my senior year unless you let me play cornerback?
2: Yes. I do remember that. Uh, Darnell Wright is a great example of a selfless player. And I was just talking about last year's team in particular. Um, Darnell Wright probably could have said, I only want – or, you know, you're you're right. He's a natural right tackle in in the NFL. But left tackle is a little bit sexier. So he could have said, I want to stay at left tackle um, because that's a sexier position. Typically, those guys get drafted higher. At either point, he could have said, "I prefer this position over the other," and had Tennessee over a barrel, and he didn't choose to do so. What he chose to do was, "Hey, where do you need me?" and that's commendable. Um, so, but Darnell Wright's probably the one guy that could have thrown his weight around (pun intended), but he didn't choose to. And, and and listen, maybe that's exactly what Georgia needed: was a guy that felt entitled, was a guy that felt cocky, was a guy that. Uh, felt as if he were overlooked and tried to get benched on multiple occasions. But there's just a fine line, that when that when that goes too far, and I say this not for George's sake. Good for you, you won two championships with him, and that's that's fantastic. You I mean, can't get any better than that. However, moving forward, if he does have this sense of entitlement, you know, he didn't go to the senior bowl. Does he think he's just going to naturally slip into the first round? He's not. Uh, of the nfl draft and yeah if he goes into the nfl with a sense of entitlement then he can take that sense of entitlement straight to the usfl
3: yeah i'm going to be a little um i'm going to be a psycho i'm going to be a psychologist for a minute and i'm going to say sometimes the worst thing that can happen to somebody is when they constantly prove people wrong because they start to think they're invincible when that happens and so when anybody's telling them they shouldn't be a certain way, they don't listen because they're like, I've already proved all these other people wrong. So why do I need to listen to you? Um, I'm just going to transition into music for a minute. And I'm going to say, guys, that's what happened to Kanye West. Kanye West spent years proving everybody wrong in the music game to the point that he felt he could do whatever he wanted because he had so constantly proving people wrong. So when people were saying, Kanye, don't do that. Kanye, don't say that. He's like, why do I need to listen to you? I've gotten this far not listening to anybody.
2: And let's go, let, let's go to the uh, Kanye expert, Ryan Callahan. There's <laughs> you know, more Kanye than anybody I know. Ryan, how are you, sir?
1: Uh, doing well. Yeah, just listen to some Kanye as as we speak. No, just kidding.
2: Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> if you are. Ryan's appearance today brought to you by Craft Treats. Go to crafttreats.com, Use the promo code off the hook and you get twenty percent off and. Craft Treats has all of the treats you might need, including the chill pill CBD for your pet when it comes to anxiety or when it comes to, I don't know, arthritis pain. They have that and digestive problems. So uh, go to Craft Treats, use the promo code off the hook for twenty percent off. Hit like and share. We greatly appreciate that. And if you haven't subscribed yet, do that. So Ryan, um, I can remember a time where you and I, not together, but for different entities. Would work from six a.m. to nine o'clock at night or later on signing day. What will your signing day schedule look like this year? Uh, probably look for a donut somewhere
1: tomorrow morning. No, I don't know. It won't be a won't be a typical signing day. That's that's for sure. Uh, I mean, we're kind of used to this now, but yeah, it's uh, not not a whole lot to worry about this year, especially if you're covering Tennessee or following tennessee there's, uh, there's just really nothing to watch uh, going into wednesday that we know of anyway so we'll uh it'll be a laid-back morning by by signing day standards there will still be some things to do of course plenty of stuff going on on the site but yeah not not a whole lot to follow
2: is there anybody that you think could crop up could pop up because i was told by somebody at ut that they, they don't expect a signing by but things can change anybody you've heard of that's possible
1: no, I, I don't think so, unless Tennessee just pulls a rabbit out of a hat that we're, we're totally not expecting. You know, no, one, no one has visited um, in, in the month of January that, that looks like a possibility for Tennessee. You know, it, their focus has kind of been on the transfer portal, um, and, and always this time of year you're lining up preferred walk-on possibilities. So if anyone was to announce something uh, you know, any time in the next couple of days, it would be a preferred walk-on addition in, in all likelihood as opposed to a scholarship addition. Um, so the the more intrigue has been on the transfer portal side of things over the past few weeks and and the 2024 class, Tennessee's obviously moved on already uh, along with pretty much everyone else in the country to the 2024 class Uh, even if you're trying to add a couple more names late to the 2023 class that's something you have to do but that's kind of been the focus for Tennessee just the portal in 2024 and anything that happens tomorrow would be completely out of left field and, and totally unexpected so no, I don't really think there's anyone to watch
2: I can remember one time suggesting an early signing day, and I was on the air at that particular time, and somebody from Tennessee's recruiting office texted me and said, that would absolutely kill us. Are you an idiot? I was like, well, the latter may be true. But um, in retrospect, has this early signing day, uh, as you see it and how it's evolved, has it really affected Tennessee one way or the other or they just kept right up with what they would have done
1: I, I don't think it's affected Tennessee more than anyone else uh, aside from the year that it started was a year that Tennessee went through a coaching change so that wasn't ideal for them at the time Jeremy Pruitt having to be sort of uh, among the guinea pigs for that first year uh, coming in 10 days before the first early signing day so uh, no I, I don't think it's really affected them it's it's uh, you know, I, I said at the time, and, and, I, and I still kind of feel this way. It's it was the early signing period was addressing a problem that didn't really exist. Um, if, if the concern was for guys to to be able to sign something six or seven weeks early, depending on how the calendar falls, um, that doesn't help a whole lot. And if if the concern was early enrollees having something to sign because they used to just enroll and when they went to class or what did their first thing on campus, essentially that locked them in with that school. Um, you know, that that mechanism is already there that doesn't give you something to sign on a certain date, but it still finalizes your decision. So there's really there really wasn't a, much of a need for this and it hasn't really solved anything. It's just created another problem, which is 90 uh, percent of guys are, are, are signing during the early sign period, give or take. You know, some years, 85 percent, but it's a high percentage. And, and there's, you know, there's pressure now to sign in December. So it's just moved the signing day as opposed to giving kids an option to sign early it's not something that I think they maybe envisioned it being something where half or more of the kids would choose to sign early but it would just give kids another option and they would choose to wait but really the reality is if you're committed to a school and you don't sign in December there's usually a problem or you're just an elite player who wants to take a little more time.
3: Ryan I want to transition a little bit to uh, we were talking recruiting classes and is already focused on 2024 like you said um as, as you know, the 2023 class was largely built before the 2022 season happened. The 2022 class was built while Tennessee was largely under a first-year head coach in a disaster of a program because of the NCAA investigation and nobody knew what was going to come out. So for me, always, the 2024 class was going to be the first class where you could truly evaluate what Tennessee is going to recruit like under Hypel, assuming they maintain the level of success that they've had in recent years. Is that kind of the feeling among, uh, you know, among people covering Tennessee recruiting heavily and on Rocky Top that to the 2024 class is going to be the first, like, like
1: the magical class almost, if you want to say? Well, I, I wouldn't want to set the bar too high for that because, let's face it, Tennessee has a top 10 class right now in 2023. I think that they've already uh, made pretty significant strides, but I, I do think there is maybe another level they could take things to still. Uh, and, and this 2024 class gives them the best shot and maybe having that type of year. Now, I think the reality is the landscape has changed so much, especially with NIL, that there's just a ton of competition out there, 15, 20 top programs, getting good players every year now, I think is, is going to be the situation um, with, with with that being a factor for a lot of players in their recruitments. We've seen schools like Miami and you know, Texas A&M was the one that really benefited a, a couple years ago, we think. Uh, from, from NIL being a factor that, and signed that historic number one class a couple of years ago. Florida ha- has had some good moments, some bad moments, and there's just a bunch of programs that seem to be um, r- really figuring things out on the NIL front, and that just makes it such a competitive landscape that I don't think we can automatically assume Tennessee's going to take this huge jump um, because of the on-field success. But I do think this, to your point, gives Josh Heupel and his staff their fairest chance to see what can they do, what is the ceiling for their recruiting um, because they, they obviously signed a top-10 class already, and now they've got some on-field success to go with it, and they've already gotten a lot of good players on campus in the 2024 class. Uh, that I think the, the, the groundwork has been laid for them to maybe build on that, but we'll see what the ceiling really is for what this staff can do in this current
2: environment. Ryan, I, b- I believe firmly that Tennessee's scheme can overcome some maybe talent deficiencies when they play the Georgias and Alabamas of the world, but really only so much. Do, do you think that this staff can get to the point that they're recruiting at the same level as Georgia or Alabama, or is that always – I mean, that's pretty high. Um yeah. or, or are they going to have to continue to utilize what they do as far as scheme-wise to, to overcome that deficiency?
1: Well, uh, look – it always has been the case, I think, that evaluations and development play a big role in how just how good you're recruiting over the years turns out to be. You know, a number one class doesn't always end up being the number one class in terms of on field production and, and results. So it's all about what you get out of that class. How many of those guys do you retain, especially in the transfer portal era? You know, what, what do you get out of a class truly over the next few years? So there's a way for a number seven or eight class to be better than a number one class in the long run. It doesn't happen all the time, but it can happen. Um, So I think Tennessee's key. They've just got to maximize what they have, but I've always been a big believer. If you're in the SEC or any conference and you're signing top 10 classes on a regular basis, you can compete with anybody. Um, You've got to get good players at the right positions. I think they've done that by getting Nico Iamaliava at quarterback. They've got a five-star there to, to compete with the, uh, the elite programs uh, that have been up there competing for championships for years. And, and and they're getting better talent on defense now, I think to make up for some of their shortcomings there. So you're closing the gap. You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to chase down Georgia and Alabama overnight. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily about playing with less, uh, but they've, they've got to evaluate well. They've got to hit on the, the big guys when they do get them, the, the Nikos, those guys have to have to hit more often than not. They can't afford a lot of bus. So I, I think it's just sort of maximizing what they have, and, and evaluating well. And so far, I think there's reason to think the staff can do that, but it's going to take doing it over a few, few years in a row to be able to really chase down the Georgias and Alabamas of the world.
3: All right, Ryan, I want to have a little bit of fun real quick. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, we've heard a lot of comparisons now already Arch Manning versus Nico Iamalevo. And the, the seems like the conventional wisdom as Dave has, talked about before is that arch manning may be overall the better quarterback but nico is in a better situation playing with his style for tennessee system are we about to see like the first like three-year college rivalry of this quarterback or that quarterback that carries all the way over into the nfl draft in a few
1: years you know i'll I'll caution people uh, uh, against that by by using an example we just saw um i was at the all-american bowl in san antonio a few years ago and, and we uh, working with some of the 24 seven sports guys down there on some, some TV stuff uh, for the, for the NBC coverage of that game. And we were talking with Bryce Young and, and DJ Uyangalale. And those guys knew each other well from California. They were the number one and two players in the country. And they were going to Alabama and Clemson, two teams that had been playing for championships. We thought we might be about to see those guys go head to head for a couple of national championships. And it didn't work out that way. Uh, at least not yet. So Quarterbacks, one of those positions you just don't know, Uh, even with the elite of the elite guys, the bust rate is pretty high. There's 40 or 50 percent of them just won't work out for one reason or another, or they'll disappoint a little bit or they'll have injury problems. There's always just something at that position that can happen. So I wouldn't assume that. And I think there's some other good quarterbacks in this class, Dante Moore, um, Malachi Nelson, some other really good quarterbacks going to other schools. I I just think this quarterback crop in general in the the 2023 class, we might look at it down the road as one of the best quarterback classes in a long time. Uh, That's how it's kind of viewed throughout the industry. And for Nico Iamaliava to be ranked in in 24/7 sports rankings, number two nationally and a class this strong at quarterback speaks highly of him, but I I won't be surprised if we look back and there are four or five all pro quarterbacks out of this class. I mean, there's some really good players.
2: Wow. Ryan, who were some guys over the weekend you felt like Tennessee made really good progress with for the 2024 class
1: I think one that stands out to me Ethan Calloway a four-star offensive tackle from North Carolina it was his first time visiting so I think that the setup is always better for a team to really make a move when it's a first visit but I think that that visit definitely helped Tennessee quite a bit with him and I think made them much more of a contender going forward you know he's one of the many guys talking about visiting Tennessee again now so I think he's certainly one where they they at least made a move. Um, and I think in-state Kamara Brown, a cornerback from Memphis that they've been heavily involved with for a while. I think he's he's liked Tennessee for a while, um, but but I think definitely the, the Vols have some momentum there coming out of that visit. So uh, th- there were there were several guys really that I think they made at least some progress with. Uh, but Ethan Calloway was one in particular, that just because he was visiting for the first time and didn't really know what to expect at Tennessee. I think that first visit really really impressed him and, and gives Tennessee a chance with him being from North Carolina, especially just next door um, for them to, to get him back on campus in the coming months and have a chance to, to really be a factor for him.
2: Ryan Callahan, Go Balls 24-7. What do you got cooking? How can people follow your work?
1: Yeah, a lot, as you, you just uh, mentioned the site there, GoVols247.com. Uh, you can sign up right now actually for 60% off your first year through our Signing Day sale, even if there's not much to watch on uh, Signing Day for Tennessee fans, we are still celebrating Signing Day in that way. Uh, so, so take advantage of that sale while it's uh, while it's up through tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, full coverage of Tennessee's Junior Day wrapping up. All the visitors got a story up right now with some details on some of those guys they made moves with and, uh, and much more in the coming days. Basketball, baseball, football coverage as well. So plan to check out at GoBalls247.com.
2: Ryan, be good, man. Um, you know, just... It is still so weird to me that uh, National Signing Day is not is not what it used to be. But uh, I'm sure if something breaks out there, you'll be on top of it. I appreciate it, man. That's
1: right. Yeah, I had the coffee ready for all the all the news coming tomorrow. Right? <laughs>
2: yeah you don't you don't have to stay up till uh, seven eight o'clock for uh, Julian Battle to flip his uh, signee because he wasn't old enough to sign his papers. I remember that was one of my favorite stories. That may have been before your time. Is that before time? That was a little bit before my time, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. <laughs> Ryan, have a great day, buddy. I appreciate you. You too. Thanks a lot, Dave. Ryan Callahan, he does a great job. I call him the recruiting rhino. I tried to get that to stick. It never did. I'll tell you what is uh, stuck in the uh, realty field is Andy Mason of andymasonrealestate.com. Go there. Don't find yourself in a position that costs you thousands or tens of thousands of dollars by going with the wrong realtor because Andy Mason has the best service and has the best prices bar none. That's andymasonrealestate.com, andymasonrealestate.com. Over 40 years of experience right there in his office, andymasonrealestate.com. Coming up on the program, uh, we will get to uh, the Alante Taylor discussion that we kind of kicked around here a little bit earlier. He was at the game over the weekend, the Tennessee-Texas game. And I want to ask the question, how big of an impact would one cornerback last year have made for the Vols? He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Back in two minutes off the Sports.
4: Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater.
0: Inflation has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today.
5: Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted as best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalist for best law firm and best personal injury firm.
0: Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vashti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vassy here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassy's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive.
4: Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTIs. I want to
2: remind you that Zool Beer is the official craft beer of off-the-hook sports. The Zool Beer Company is in downtown Knoxville. They have parking worldwide award-winning craft beer xulbeer.com, xulbeer.com for those on our audio platforms. Zoolbeer, the official craft beer of off-the-hook sports. So, Tennessee with the uh, signing day tomorrow, as other schools will, will have it as well. And, um, Caleb, I'll say this. Um, as I mentioned before the break, we had uh, – I, I mentioned an early signing day years ago, back in, I guess, 2008 – and my thoughts were to do this, and I, I still, I, we didn't have a chance to ask Ryan about this, but I would still say this would work. It's to have an early signing period in August before a young man's senior year. So that you you sew up the guys. And I think the percentage of signees, while now it's 90% in the early signing period in December, the, the big-time name sign, I would say that it would only be 20, 25%. And basically what you're doing is you're sewing up the guys that are diehards, that are going to come to your school no matter what. And that way you don't have to babysit the guy who is, let's say in Tennessee's case, a Knoxville guy. And he, um, his, his uncle went to well, I'll give you an example. How about the berries, the 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 Berry twin brothers? Their dad went to Tennessee. Eric went to Tennessee. They were going to Tennessee the whole time. Okay, so why not allow them to go ahead and sign in August? Forget about that December early signing period, and you sew up the twenty to twenty five percent of the guys that you know are coming, and you don't have to babysit them through the se- senior season. That was always my my idea, my thoughts. What do you think?
3: I mean, that's not a bad idea either. I don't really think the sign, I don't think when you have the signing period changes much of anything, quite honestly. Um, My only thing with the early signing period in August is I think it's very um, player unfriendly. Um, And I just say that covering recruiting in 2017, when Butch Jones had a lot of high profile recruits, it looked like after 2016, he was in the process of potentially securing a top five class again for 2017. Then the program turned into a dumpster fire And I think those players should be, even if they're diehard, should have the chance to um, look elsewhere. You know, I I know you talked with Cooper Mays. A lot of Tennessee fans felt a type away when Cade Mays backed out of his commitment to go to Georgia. I was ultra defensive of Cade Mays at that time. I just said, guys, does any if you're in Cade Mays' position, forget if you're a big, huge Tennessee fan and your whole family grew up is is Tennessee. You would not have wanted to commit to that program at that time if you're a five star recruit. It was on fire.
2: And let me let me add a qualification to that. You would have to have a scenario in which if a if a head coach leaves, then they're released from the from their signed letter of intent. so yes, I would I, I wouldn't want somebody stuck into that sort of position. I agree with you and but then you get into the situation of what if their uh, position coach leaves? what if their recruiter leaves? what if the coordinator leaves? I mean at what point? Do you release somebody from their their signed NIL if it's in August? That, that's where it gets really slippery and, and really goofy really quick.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, just like, I just like the old system where it's just, okay, National Signing Day is February, and that, that gets you a chance to enroll for spring practice if you can, or you're an early enrollee, and if you, are, and if you enroll early, that's effectively an early signing anyway. So it, I don't think we need it. I'm with Ryan. I don't think we needed this early signing period necessarily.
2: No, and the other thing, too, why Tennessee didn't want it under the former regime is because they did an awful lot of recruiting uh, in January and closed some guys and flipped some guys, and anybody that relies on out-of-state talent would not want an earlier signing period like in August. So I understood that from Tennessee's perspective. Um, The one thing that they've done from a PR standpoint, let's forget about what's right for the players or what's right for the coaches, is the NFL puts itself out on center stage pretty much every month of the year? If it's not the draft, the season, uh, reporting for off-season workouts, they're always on the radar. Well, college football is kind of taking itself off the radar in January, Caleb, and I don't think that's—I don't think that's good. I think you—you you had a lot of talk about recruiting right now. You know, portions of the program brought to you by Biles Automotive Group, and Biles Automotive Group is the epicenter of car buying in Knoxville. It's right there on Callahan, and it is beautiful they have car selection. They also have just an incredible uh, amount of integrity when they come to the deals that they provide you. And I'm telling you, if you need your car worked on, then you have got to check out Viles uh, Automotive Group on Callahan automotive group, they want they need and they appreciate your business absolutely really great. Okay, so let's get to the topic that I wanted to dive into. and I saw Alante Taylor and I texted you over the weekend. Alante Taylor was at the Tennessee Texas game. And Alante Taylor has turned into a very good player. I wouldn't say elite player, but he is turned into a very good player in the NFL. So I texted you. And I said, would Alante Taylor, who's now with the Saints, had uh, he been born a year later and he had one more year at Tennessee and his last year was at, was in 2022, would Tennessee have made the college football playoff? So I ask you, Caleb, would Tennessee have made the college football playoff if Alante Taylor had one more year left and played last year? Uh, please Hit that like button, thumbs up. We bring more people into the program, and we appreciate that. So, Alante Taylor on the 2022 balls that they make the college football playoff? Yes,
3: I'm going to say yes. Um, Alante Taylor, technically he did have a year of eligibility left, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to blame him for not taking advantage of that year. Like he knew he was going to be a high draft pick given his senior year. Tennessee. One of the reasons they had very limited flexibility in the secondary this year was because they didn't have that one lockdown cornerback. Now, Alante Taylor is not like a – he's not like a Deion Sanders where he's going to take away one whole side of the field. I'm not – you know, I'm not accusing him of being that good. (laughs) But I think he is good enough where you can trust him one-on-one with another team's best receiver. And he showed that time and time again for Tennessee in 2021 – which, by the way, was really his first year fully healthy in like two or three years. It was his first year fully healthy and as a veteran. One of the funny things about Alante Taylor is um, he was drafted by the Saints with the second pick. Bryce Thompson, a year before, who started with Alante Taylor. Bryce Thompson was the number one quarterback. Alante was the number two cornerback. Um, Bryce Thompson decided to leave early for the NFL. May, made no sense, by the way. He wasn't ready. They, he and Alante Taylor came in together, and Bryce Thompson was not ready for the NFL. Wasn't drafted, was on the Saints practice squad. I don't think ended up making the roster. Alante Taylor stayed that one extra year, and it did him wonders. And it's kind of funny looking back, because if you had asked me in 2019, or 2018, for that matter, when they were freshmen, who's more likely to be an NFL star, Bryce Thompson or Alante Taylor, I'd have bet everything on Bryce Thompson. And then 2020 happened, and Bryce Thompson just bailed and it made no sense for him to bail that quickly i get it he was part of everybody that transferred out because of the coaching change grew it to high but he wasn't ready for the nfl draft i can just tell you that right now and he wasn't drafted so it was proven he wasn't ready and now alante taylor who stayed one more year became a second round draft pick is probably going to be the saints full-time starter at quarterback next year um two years in i think if alante taylor is playing for tennessee in 2022 he shuts down one side. He, help, he doesn't shut down, but he helps with one side of the field at cornerback against South Carolina. He allows Tim Banks more flexibility on what to do on the other side, even without Jeremy Banks. And, Bank, and Tim Banks could probably dial up a few more blitz packages that he was more comfortable doing when Jeremy Banks was in the lineup. And I think that would have given Spencer Rattler a lot more trouble than it did.
2: I'm going to say no. I don't think they make the college football playoff with the addition of him. And I'm going to say it for two reasons. I don't think this is a team that was, I don't think you can look at South Carolina and Georgia and games that they weren't really even in and say that they were a player away. If you're, if you're really out of two games, just by the nature of the sport, I don't think that you can say that you're just a player away. Now, Perhaps they play a little bit better versus Georgia, but then I will turn it to the South Carolina game. Unless Elante Taylor is the best leader of young men, and he is a young man, then I don't know that they avoid the Jeremy Banks distraction. And he would have been a part of that distraction. He, he would have been out there with a team that suddenly lost its identity for one night for whatever reason and Tennessee still would have struggled against South Carolina. That was just not Tennessee's night, and I don't think he would have been good enough to push Tennessee over the hump against Georgia. So I'll say no based off those two things. I, now, if you were to give me like just a great leader like an Al Wilson, regardless of position, then the South Carolina game wouldn't have ever happened. So I, I would rather have, in this particular case, a great leader that would keep something like that from happening as opposed to a position of need, which clearly he would be. So I don't think that would guarantee them a spot in the college football playoff. I think that night in Columbia is one. It was a disaster that he couldn't avert um, just by being present, but it certainly would have made Tennessee a much better football team. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, because it's it's clear they and I don't know that they're going to have one this year. There's just not a an elite corner, shutdown corner on this football team that we've seen to this point.
3: But Dave, let, let's think about this for a minute. With that with that game, wasn't it a domino effect? Like we talked about, I think the Jeremy Banks saga. I, I think the Jeremy Banks saga is what led to partially led to the defensive line that night, choosing that night to not play with their hair on fire, which you said a lot of times defensive line pressure is an effort thing and the, the effort just wasn't there from the defensive line that night. And I hate to use that term, but it's it they just they, they really had a mentality of let's get
2: through this game. Well so, but how much of that was gassed from end of the season and playing a lot of snaps.
3: It might have been that too. I mean, it might have been that too, but I'm talking about the domino effect of Jeremy Banks. It was a combination of that, a combination of Tim Banks now not being able to do his stunts that he wants to do because Jeremy Banks isn't in there. And those two things alone leave the secondary really exposed, which we knew going in, the secondary was a problem. You could not count on the secondary to win any games for Tennessee this past year. And they didn't win any games for Tennessee this past year. I think if Elante Taylor... Is there? I think you have a lot more freedom and creativity in the secondary to where even if the defensive line doesn't play with its hair on fire the way they should, even if you can't do the different blitz packages you want to do, there are at least two drives where Tennessee doesn't allow a touchdown on. Remember, they allow a touchdown on all but one real drive in that game. And if you take away just two drives where they don't allow a touchdown on, on, remember, they're in that game in the fourth quarter until that Hinton Hooker leg injury. And would that have happened? We don't know. I, I just think there was a lot of, you know, I've watched enough football to know that like a 25 point game can be a one score game. Really, 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 really fast. If you watch the flow of the game and that, that struck me as a game that that could have happened. I don't think for instance, one of South Carolina's touchdown drives was when they converted a third and 20 over the middle. I don't think they convert that if Alante Taylor was playing cornerback for Tennessee that night.
2: I just think there were too many factors in that there was a lack of team chemistry. Um, I think not, I mean, Banks didn't play. So you have one of your better playmakers that didn't make the trip and it was Spencer Rattler's coming out party. So would a Volante Taylor helped? Yes, maybe. I mean, I, I, I'm not even sure how much he would have helped that night because the whole defense was so dysfunctional. It's kind of like getting, Uh, a a paint job on a yugo you know i mean the the paint may look a little bit better but at the heart of the matter there's also another term called polishing something but i'm not going to use that one but a fresh coat of paint on a yugo it's still a yugo and that night they were a yugo but yeah may have been some other games in, in which you would have helped as well that wouldn't have been as close certainly they could have used him i would argue That of any of their recent players i can't think of one that they would have that they would have wanted any more last year because of the position of need but i just don't see him flipping it um personally uh maybe he does but i think
3: number one cornerback like isn't a lockdown corner like one of the few positions in football that like can completely change the complexity of an entire 11 man unit (laughs) Like completely frees up your strategy if you have a one if you have a lockdown corner.
2: No, I agree. I just think that was destiny that night. I don't think that if Deion Sanders in his prime was out there, that it, they would have won that night. I think there were just too many problems. But uh, that would have been fun to watch if Deion was in his prime out there. Uh, portions of the program brought to you by Zach England of B- Best and Brock. Zach England of Best and Brock. You can go to bestlawhb.com. Here's the great part about Zach is he can go toe-to-toe with those uh, insurance attorneys that are going to try to make sure you get as little as possible for your personal injury accident. Well, he's going to get you your best, and he's going to take care of you. And when it comes to personal injury attorneys in Chattanooga, there is no one like him. Zach's got your back, Zach England of best and Brock. so coming up on the program i tell you what there are a lot of people who think that tennessee can make the final four i want to know what caleb thinks after this give me two minutes we're right back with you off the hook sports
4: sun sand and salt water the beach is a very relaxing place unless you wear contacts ow Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah,
0: Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vassy Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassies, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive.
5: Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car, it's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike
6: Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's to
5: Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalist for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga.
0: We won't let you down.
4: Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Whoever
2: put this song together had a lot of free time. welcome back to the program um so caleb says that elante taylor would be would have been no help last year no he says tennessee makes college football playoff we'll get your thoughts on the message board if you want to go ahead and weigh in we'd love to see that and does tennessee make the college football playoff if elante taylor is part of this team so he was at the game on uh, saturday which was Leads us right into Tennessee basketball. Great place to watch Tennessee basketball. Is Big Orange Phillies on Maynardville Pike. Big Orange Phillies just has fantastic food. I'm here to tell you, if you're anywhere in the North Knoxville area, Big Orange Phillies is for you. Big Orange Phillies is close to Maynardville. It's close to North Knoxville, like Halls and Carnes, uh, and, and all that area. Great place to watch Tennessee basketball. You should check out. Big Orange Phillies. It is uh, phenomenal. They've got cornhole. They've got darts, billiards, the whole nine yards at Big Orange Phillies. All right, Caleb Calhoun. So, Tennessee, you have some strong feelings about their final four chances or lack thereof. I I hate to say this and be Mr. Negative Nancy, but I – as long as Rick Barnes is the coach, I've always got questions about his teams advancing to the final four. I believe it's only happened once. Correct. So I I mean, to me, it's, um, it wouldn't be a great shock if they didn't make the final four. And at some point, this would be an incredibly tough decision because Rick Barnes is so likable. The Tennessee's administration may have to ask themselves, are we okay with just making the tournament or Do you need somebody that's a little bit more elite if they get bounced out in one of the first two rounds? So um, what are your thoughts? Tennessee in the final four, yay or nay?
3: Nay. I'll actually address – I can actually address Rick Barnes' issue soon too, but I want to say nay, and I'm going to break this down why. So for all of you guys, um, before we get in, I want want to send a shout-out to Jimmy Hyams. He's got a piece up right now on our site on the ingredients to make the final four and the things that go into play. And he has a lot of great takes, point guard play, defense, rebounding, toughness, free throw shooting. And he actually is almost there in his take on why Tennessee could struggle to make the final four. He talks about the offense and says that they have these four to five minute droughts where they don't score. And they're not always great at getting to the basket when things break down. Both things are true. Um, And he also talked about the fact that there is a belief that Barnes is so obsessed with toughness and playing tough defense throughout the year that it kind of wears you down when the tournament comes. But there's one glaring reason they won't make the final four. It's a huge one. Tennessee, in that Texas game that everybody thought was a complete game, was 6 of 19 from 3, 31.6%. On the year, they are um, 33.9%. No one since the shot clock has been moved back to 30 seconds in 2015 which that was long overdue, by the way. College basketball was a terrible sport before they moved the shot clock down to 30 seconds. Um, No one has made the Final Four not shooting at least 36% from three. Guys, it's a new day of college basketball. It's getting a little bit closer to the NBA in this way in the sense that the the analytics have made this clear. The three-point shot is more important than the mid-range shot. Rick Barnes seems to be allergic to some of the changes in college basketball. He still loves defense. He still loves you know having two to three big guys for the size advantage and he'll sacrifice three point shooting for that guys i'm going to say this defense does not win championships in college basketball it doesn't people who tell you defense and toughness wins championships are people who think Hoosiers made sense as a movie okay yesterday was gene hackman's birthday that whole pass four times before you score would be the dumbest strategy in any level of basketball in any era of basketball
2: in i don't know I've never actually seen Hoosiers the whole way through.
3: Well, Hoosiers what about it was about an undermanned team, the true story is somewhat in Indiana that went and won the state title, but they you know it was the 1980s, so they tried to be the Gene Hackman be the coach, all about team ball and fundamentals and all those lame things that they talk about, and as if other teams don't stress those stuff. But he, I,
2: I, I think I, I mean I, I think I got I get the concept of Hoosiers the the, the great underdog story. But here, here, is, here is what frustrates me about this Tennessee basketball team. This should not be an underdog story. I mean, yes. this, this is a team that has talent, and this is the team that I thought the guard play was going to be extraordinary. And I think the guard play of, of which you, you mentioned uh, with the three-point shooting has been very average. I mean, how would you describe the guard play to this point?
3: Yeah, it's been, it, it, it has been very average. And part of that is you have, one, a guy, Josiah Jordan-James, who was banged up early in the year, is finally getting his rhythm back. But then you have your only true point guard is Kai Ziegler, and you've talked enough about how out of control he plays at times. Um, Tyreek Key is more of a scoring guard, a combo guard. So there's not like, it kind of could remind me of that Chris Lofton's Senior year. Wait. Uh, okay. Sorry. I have to respond. Elias Gray says, How do we explain Tennessee holding opponents to 22% from three? In March Madness, you're not going to hold every opponent to 22% from three. Dave, you know this. You're going to run into a team that's red hot shooting the ball. And guys, learn this about basketball now. Great offense always beats great defense. If you're shooting red hot from three, there is no amount of defense that can stop it. That's what the Warriors have figured out in the NBA. And so Tennessee will run into a team that shoots really well from three. There is nothing they can do to stop it. And unless they can shoot themselves and we're talking about it, you're right. The guard play, if it gets into a three point shootout, Dave, do you really have faith in this team to be able to hang with another team to 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 outshoot another team?
2: No, but uh, Elias, if, if you want to drop that link in there, Elias, I'd, I'd appreciate that. He said that uh, ESPN's BPI has – Tennessee is a 53% chance of the Final Four, a 38.2% chance at being in the championship game and winning a title at 26%. I mean, if that's the case, then I, I'm curious about the BPI. Like I w- I'm curious about the FBI uh, – because the FBI gives you all kinds of crazy numbers. Because if you told me right now that I could bet $100 and, uh, on Tennessee not winning a championship and I'd get 25 back, which essentially that's what that would be, right? Caleb, you're the gambling guy. If, it's, if they're a 25% chance to win, I could bet 100 on the money line and get 25% back for them not to win, theoretically, right?
3: I have to I, – I, I think so. Anyway. I got-
2: if I could bet $100 and I could lose $100 or I could get $20 back that they win a title, I would bet $100 right now and make my 20%. That's the point I'm trying to make. I just – I don't see a championship out of this crew. I hope I'm wrong. I think that would be just awesome. – I mean, I, I would love – for Tennessee's, because I covered them during a lot of the seasons when they had uber talent. I love Ron Slay, and I love all those guys. And I just, yeah, I'm I'm not a homer if you followed my work, but I just absolutely would love it for Tennessee fans who have been through so much. I mean, what better way to end the academic year than to make a Final Four run? But if you're telling me that they're at a 25% chance of making the – of winning a national title. Boy, I'll put my $100 down and make 20 bucks all day long. I mean, I, that sounds awful to bet that I would bet against uh, any team and I don't gamble, but man, a 26% chance to win the title. Does that not seem remarkably high to you?
3: Yeah. And also, well, okay. So the BPI takes into account the most overall, all the factors in basketball who would be the better team. And this is what I'm trying to talk about is that Tennessee as a team, is a final four caliber team as a, as a talent in the way they're constructed. Here's the problem is that again, if every game in March madness, if every round was a three game series or a best of five, yeah, I'd have Tennessee in the final four. I'd have them in the final four tomorrow because I think they're capable of winning two or three or three or five or four, seven against any team in the, against any team in college basketball the way the NBA playoffs is set up. But the problem is March madness with the one game playoff, win or go home, And you got to do that four times. There is before you get to the final four and then two more times to win it. You are inevitably going to run into a team that is just red hot shooting that day. And the rules of basketball in a sport that has a pretty high level of randomness, if it's a one game playoff, doesn't matter how good you are at that point. The hot shooting team always wins if you can't hang with them shooting the ball and So even though I would get that 53% chance at a, at a final four, I think would, would be more valid. If, if again, you were doing a best of three, best of five, best of seven series. I don't think it's valid in a one game playoff because I don't think Tennessee defensive oriented teams are almost never equipped to hang and go all the way in March madness because they run into a red hot shooting team. The only way they're equipped is if they can match them with three pointers And Tennessee can't do that on a night-in and night-out basis, particularly because Rick Barnes has an obsession with playing big. I said, quite honestly, between me and you, Dave, I think Rick Barnes should move Josiah Jordan-James to the four, have Olivier come with starting at the five. And I think that's it. I think those should be the two biggest players on the court in the starting lineup.
2: And I I I mean, in this day and age, you really only need, whether you're talking about college or the NBA, you really need only one big, big guy. Yeah, I mean, you you want four guys theoretically that could shoot. It'd be nice if your fifth guy, like you mentioned, the Warriors. It'd be nice if your fifth guy could shoot as well. But uh, yeah, you're. I mean, you're 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 good with uh, four mid mid-sized the smaller guys. And uh, but again, I go back to, and I, I I'm not trying to pick on Zachary Ziegler, okay. But I thought he was going to step up in a leadership role, and he got benched at one point in the season. So at what point? During an NCAA tournament run, does everybody look for a leader and he's not there? Who's the leader right now, Caleb?
3: I think healthy Josiah James is the leader, but he hasn't been there um, all year. Um, and, it, you know, he hasn't been fully healthy all year. Um, so I would trust Josiah James. I could see him being the leader. The question is, again, I can't see, you know, he played red hot for a little while. I think it was about a week ago. But can you turn to Josiah James to be able to – uh hit shots from outside regularly. Hell, Santiago Visco, Santiago Vescovi has actually been pretty inconsistent this year relative to what he's been in years past. And so I just think that, again, I've, I've covered enough Rick Barnes teams to know this is what's going to happen. Um, there's going to be a team that – and people think last year was that Michigan plays big, and so that's how Tennessee struggled. That's partially true, but Michigan also shot well from outside, and Tennessee was just off that day. Not to mention, by the way, I want to point this out, but they were less than seventy percent from the free throw line last weekend. Um, I, I just think that, again, I, I don't, I, but I'm with you. You know, it's Zakai Ziegler is going to. That's the one true point guard on the team, and he's going to play out of control, and he's going to make some mistakes. Um, it's funny, Ron Slade mentioned Tony Harris. I guess it was about two weeks ago. And some people feel and I think you would probably feel that that was probably the reason that also with poor coaching, which in Jerry Green at the time, that was the reason Tennessee never they always lost to a lower seed team in the NCAA tournament under Jerry Green. All four years they were eliminated. They lost to a lower seed team. And I think that had a lot to do with Tony Harris certain at certain times playing out of control. They should have gone to the final four one year. They had a huge lead on North Carolina and blew it because they didn't know how to run their offense when North Carolina made a comeback in the Sweet 16.
2: Well, the other factor in that game is, and North Carolina got very lucky. I remember being at that game, and uh, Brendan Hayward uh, was in foul trouble or fouled out, and they brought in, um, who was the kid who played defensive end for them?
3: Julius Peppers?
2: Yeah, they brought in Julius Peppers, and he just lit it up. uh, And not necessarily from a scoring perspective, but he was just an athletic force off the bench. I don't know that they would have put him in if not for Hayward getting in foul trouble. So fortune yet again was against the balls, and and really what killed them is um, somebody came up to me and goes, hey, it looks like we're going to the final four, and I'm like, easy, champ. Um, Elias saying 2013 Louisville was the last team to win it primarily with defense.
3: Shot clock was 35 seconds in 2013, not 30. It's changed with the 30 second shot clock.
2: True, yeah, a lot of truth to that. I I just um, you know, I think Tennessee could make the final four potentially if you made me choose one or the other, I would say likely not. I think that Tennessee um winning a championship to me, if that if that number is correct, 26%, I just find that phenomenal. I mean, who are the other teams that are getting twenty-six percent? I mean I I mean Caleb, who are the other I mean the the thing is right now in in basketball, there is not a dominant team this year. And it feels like we say that almost every year but it's especially true this year and how many teams do you think could win a national championship in college basketball this year i would i I was gonna i I would say 20 to 25
3: i agree i think it's wide open because i don't think any team is that stand out i mean you know tennessee we're talking at tennessee number two produce number one and produce kind of built a similar weight they actually shoot worse from three than tennessee does and they're 21 and one right now um and, you know, I think that, that that's crazy to think about. I don't think either of those teams can win it. Now, people are going to bring up Tony Bennett and Virginia in 2019. They, they are all defense, half court, you, you know, all that stuff. But Virginia, what people forgot about that Virginia team was they were really efficient offensively.
2: Yeah,
4: they
3: were. Think, yeah, think Georgia and football this year, where Georgia kept games low scoring, but it wasn't like Georgia couldn't have scored 50 points a game if they wanted to.
2: They just it felt, it felt like that Virginia team, if it had to get a score at, at some point in the game, like it was getting out of hand that Virginia could get a score and they ran a lot of back cuts and things like that. But didn't you just feel like if they needed to at some point in the game, whether it's a stop or run or it's at the end of the game, that that Virginia team was going to get to. Oh,
3: easily, easily. It's um, they absolutely could. And they could have easily found a way to score when they needed to. And they always were going to do it when they needed it. And, You're right. It it was similar to um, there are certain teams where a lot of times we see a team built a certain way and we assume they can't do other things. I used to say this about the Spurs all the time in basketball. People forgot about the Spurs. Yes, they slowed it down, played inside out, played half court basketball. But if you tried to turn up the tempo, they could hang with you because they'd have Tony Parker and Bruce Bowen just running the court (laughs) to keep up with you. So it wasn't like they couldn't turn up the tempo. It was that they chose to play this other way because that was where they had their best advantage. And that was that Virginia team in 2019. Now, if someone chooses to turn to create a shootout with Tennessee basketball in the NCAA tournament, I, I don't think Tennessee can hang.
2: Horses hmm. of the program brought to you by Bassie Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive in. Beautiful Cleveland, Bassi Lawn and Garden is within driving distance from Chattanooga, Nashville, and Knoxville. And they have the industrial mowers for your fleet. They have the commercial mowers if you're starting up a landscaping company or they've got the residential mowers. The right ones, Toro, count on it. And they've got the blowers, hedgers, trimmers, all that you need uh, right there. So uh, lastly, your thoughts on the Lady balls? since we're talking hoops. um, Lady balls. Kelly Harper, UGG over the weekend. Two big games,
3: two big moments. College game day in town for Tennessee, UConn, and Tennessee gets blown out. Guys, it's time to start talking about Kelly Harper's hot seat. I really like her and what she did for the Lady of All. She won three national championships in four years. Although, again, that's like Derek Fisher winning five rings with the Lakers if you look at how loaded those teams were back then. Um, This is her fourth year on the job. And, you know, they had a – and she was cursed by injuries last year. I understand that. And they didn't make the Sweet 16. But this year, yes, Tamari Key got hurt. It wasn't like they – they had fallen out of the top 25 by the time Tamari Key got hurt. She built this team for depth. They were a top five team to start the year. I don't really want to hear from anybody that it's hard to live up to Pat Summitt's legacy. It's hard to do this or Kelly Harper won a national championship playing for Tennessee. Look at the recruits that are on this team. There's five stars all over the, all over the place, by the way, look at what they're doing right now. This isn't about living up to Pat Summitt's legacy. This is about living up to the recruiting classes that came to this team that you put together. And it's in your fourth year. And it's just not cutting it. And I think, I think we're seeing a lot of obsession with, you know, women's college basketball has also turned into stretching the floor a little bit now. A lot more three-point shooting, at least mid-range shooting now in the sport. And you're seeing a commitment from Kelly Harbour to the style of play that won Pat Summit eight national championships. Well, that style doesn't exist anymore in women's basketball. You can't have two tall, lengthy post players that can't come out and defend the stretch for or that can't shoot that can't stretch at least a little bit from the basket on offense to shoot you just can't do that anymore and I, I think I think the Lady Vols are living and dying by a brand that doesn't exist
2: now Goliath says they failed to improve over the course of four years it's a matter of when not if pull the plug I tend to agree with that and listen I would not hire anybody that had even met Pat Summit. And it's not a knock on Pat Summit. It's just any tie to her just reminds everybody of how great things are. And here's the simple fact it's never going to be like that again. And it's not because just the absence of Pat Summit. Pardon me. Pat Summit helped, <clears throat> excuse me, build a sport to the point that it is pretty impossible to dominate like she did. That's not going to be the case. You go, it, you go into a typical season in the 90s, and there were sometimes one, in the case of 98, her team. There were two, there were three, maybe four at the most, teams that could really win a title. Otherwise, it was a massive upset. Nowadays, there are 12, 14, 16. There are a lot more teams that can win a national title in the women's game. So Pat Summit helped build that and get that to the point that she wanted it to. So Pat Summit, if she were still coaching today, God rest her soul, would probably be frustrated when she didn't win a championship, but I hope that deep down she would say to herself, I helped build this sport to where it's not just one or two teams, Tennessee and UConn, year in and year out. And it's not, and it hasn't been. And that's just absolute kudos to her and what she did for the sport. It was self-sacrificing as it turned out from tennessee's perspective city heating and air conditioning city heat for over 50 years they provided east tennesseans with honest dependable heating and cooling service check them out of the knoxville area they will absolutely give you exactly what you need if your hvac unit is having problems and a lot of you listening it will have problems when uh, that warm weather hits and there's nothing worse than having a mad hot wife so city heating and air conditioning and not hot in a good way. I'm sorry, it's, just, it's just hot. I mean, it, it, they will take care of it. And if it just needs a minor tune up or something, they'll do that. Uh, if you need a new unit, that's the best way to go. Uh, they can do that, but they're going to give you the right recommendation. Integrity matter, matters. City heating and air, city heat and air. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hooksport.